Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Trisha Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, where we discuss all things ultrasound. I'm Lori Green, and I will be co-hosting today's episode with Trisha Rio and Casey Green. Hi, everyone. Hello. Today, we're going to focus on regenerative medicine and the use of orthobiologics for various musculoskeletal injuries. You may have heard about regenerative medicine in the news, on podcasts, and in other social media platforms from others that have had success or failure using it as a method to repair musculoskeletal injuries. In fact, everybody in this room right now today during this podcast has all had some form of regenerative medicine treatment at least once, and we can all speak very highly to the results, which is one of the main reasons we have integrated regenerative medicine into our uh, advanced and re- regenerative medicine musculoskeletal ultrasound programs at Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. So this is a very exciting topic that we're happy to bring to you today. Um, before we get into introducing our guest speaker, our guest interviewer today, we're going to just talk a little bit about some general uh, indications and uh, applications for gen- regenerative medicine and the use of orthobiologics. And so in order to do that, Casey, why don't you just start us off with talking a little bit about some of your experiences? Sure. Yeah, I uh, can definitely speak to the benefits of regenerative medicine practices. Um, I started uh, probably six years ago at, at my first treatment. Um, I'd had a uh, tear in my LCL, was not able to run for about three years, was in significant pain and was told that I needed to have a surgical procedure to have that repaired to get back to normal daily life. Um during actually one of a, one of the courses at Gulf Coast Ultrasound, I would, I'd volunteered to be a, a, a model there. And Dr. Uh, Craig Chapel, um, out of Intuit Medical, he actually did the procedure, and um, it, it was interesting at first. It was definitely I had some soreness right at the beginning, but after six weeks, I was having no pain and um, ended up getting back into weightlifting, squats, running, and it's now been six years with zero pain in that regard. Um, I then had an ATFL uh, tear that was also treated uh, with PRP and had great results with that one, Um, as well as uh, I recently had a um, AC joint and SC joint uh, applications done in my shoulder. And uh, so far, I'm at about week three now, and the pain is definitely uh, reduced from what it was and uh, looking forward to hitting that six week mark where it really seems to make a difference anytime you get any of these procedures. Um, I just I also want to say that, you know, as a patient, it's a critical part that we all do our due diligence um, nowadays, especially if you're considering PRP, prolotherapy or any other orthobiological treatment. Um, it's very critical to do research on the products being used and the physicians or healthcare provider that's doing the applications. Uh, you can really save yourself a great deal of time, money and pain just by asking your healthcare provider a few good questions prior to the treatment. Uh, we live in a time right now where we have access to extensive information and research 
So it's becoming increasingly more common for patients uh, to desire their man man desire to manage their own health and quality of life. Uh, it is very critical for a healthcare provider to be up to date with treatment protocols, orthobiological use, and the use of ultrasound, both for diagnosis and uh, guided treatments as well. So really, uh, do your do your due diligence, do your research, and we're going to give you some tips and tricks and what to look for in a physician or healthcare provider uh, using orthobiologics. That's great. Thanks for sharing your experiences, Casey. I mean, I know I had some prolotherapy unrelated to PRP in my shoulder for a small rotator cuff tear. And I too, you know, several weeks out noticed a significant improvement. Whereas before I was told due to the location of the tear and um, how I had gotten the tear that it was going to be a very difficult thing to treat and manage. So I can speak as well to any use of an orthobiologic to help you recover. Um, for our healthcare providers listening, you know, your current protocol when it comes to muscle skeletal injuries, maybe first order an MRI, x-ray, or a CT scan. But what if instead of waiting for the interpretation of the results and scheduling additional visits for your patients, which only delays their care, you could utilize ultrasound right there in front of the patient and be able to diagnose those defects in bone, muscle, tendon, ligament, and even nerves in real time using dynamic movements. Now, some conditions will not permit the use of ultrasound. An MRI is usually the go-to source for those, but having it available, ultrasound available as a skill set will prove to be fundamentally essential to your regenerative medicine practice. Now, ultrasound is very hands-on, user-dependent skill, especially with regenerative medicine procedures, so it's imperative that you have taken the time to learn how to effectively utilize diagnostic ultrasound, first to determine if a regenerative medicine procedure will even be effective. Ultrasound can also be used to guide the injection to the exact point of interest while vo avoiding potentially critical structures, such as lung, nerves, arteries, other things. So, you know, as a healthcare provider, it's really important that you get the training on the ultrasound first to diagnose, but then also to guide your treatments because putting it in the place where you're trying to target, you know, what you saw in the diagnostic exam is critical to the success of the treatment. Absolutely. And in today's day and age, we what's very critical, too, is patient satisfaction. And the last thing that patients want to do is have to go from physician to physician to physician and be told different things and go through processes only to say that you have to have surgery when there are alternative options that can be um, provided and just uh, taking into consideration the benefits of utilizing regenerative medicine and orthobiologics can help you to provide better patient satisfaction and quality of care and improved outcomes without having to go into a, a more uh, high-risk surgical intervention. And, you know, as Casey was saying, and Tricia, I too have also had uh, multiple uh, regenerative medicine uh, procedures for my shoulder, for multiple um, in my knee, and as well as in my thumb. And each of those have been very successful and um, have helped me to reduce the level of pain and increase my level of activity. And, and so, um, you know, from a patient perspective, it definitely is worth considering as a patient, but it's also very beneficial to offer as a medical provider. So with that, today we are here with Tommy Straub. He is the owner of Cytovive. Tommy's company, Cytovive, is a distributor of Regen Lab Platelet-Rich Plasma, or PRP kits, along with other orthobiologic supplies. 
We've been working with Tommy for a number of years, and he has been a great supporter of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute's Regenerative Medicine Ultrasound Programs, where we do live patient demonstrations of the use of ultrasound-guided PRP treatments. So welcome, Tommy. Thanks, Lori. It's, uh, it's great to be here. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we're so happy to have you here, and, and we certainly appreciate all the support that you have given to us for over the years for our courses. So why don't we get started out by just um, getting to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about you and your company and um, how, how you became interested in regenerative medicine and, and starting your own company. Yeah, um, sure. Well, I'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, I started Cytovive, uh, goodness, almost four years ago now. And uh, it's something where both my personal experience and uh, I guess kind of my passion, you know, um, for biology uh, through education kind of led me here. Um, when I was in school, I, I uh, had several injuries and I've actually had, I think it's 16 orthopedic surgeries right now. And uh, I absolutely prefer injections to the to the <laughs> surgeon's scalpel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm for a regenerative medicine guy. I'm, I'm not necessarily anti-surgery. Um, you know, if, if you if you can go without a surgery, that's obviously the yeah. goal. If you do you know, need some type of restoration of anatomy, um, 2021 is an interesting time to be alive. But we are all very blessed to be here right now. Uh, orthopedic surgery now is leaps and bounds ahead of what it used to be. And orthobiologics has a lot to do with that. Um, as far as kind of how the company got started, uh, I basically, I'd finished up school and I was looking to go into, um, physical therapy programs, kind of some of my, uh, old injuries sort of sparked a little bit of a, a passion there with, you know, that was what I could control when I was hurt was, you know, the therapy and, and going about it that way. So from a patient perspective, um, you know, if you're going through some kind of injury, it's, you know, you're searching for some kind of control. Uh, so I found that, you know, with uh, physical therapy and I sort of kind of chased that into biology and I started researching regenerative medicine treatments. Um, I remember Kobe Bryant actually, uh, God rest his soul. He was um, a big, big uh, kind of motivator for me to look into that. I remember, yeah, when um, when I was studying biology, um, he had been flying back and forth to Germany to get some different regenerative medicine procedures that I believe at the time were called orthokine. Uh, I may lose some of that in the <laughs> translation, um, but it, it really, really sparked an interest for me. And uh, so I dug a little deeper and I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole of developmental biology in school. When I got out, um, I was really, really drawn towards regenerative medicine. I reached out to Regen Lab and they have been an absolute joy to work with. They are a wonderful manufacturer. They've been involved in the research and development of PRP products for, I think, 17 years now worldwide. Yeah. So they manufacture over in Switzerland. They have facility here in the States um, and they've just been growing like crazy. And I've been blessed to uh, to grow with them. Um, so they are a wonderful, wonderful manufacturer, again, for the PRP products, as well as some different um, BMAC things, uh, bone marrow aspirate um, products and things like that. And they have a pipeline of products that uh, are fully FDA approved as class two devices and additional products coming through that pipeline as well. So industry leaders uh, from that perspective and then from the actual uh, application side, like all of you, I can speak to how wonderful their products uh, can feel and, and be used in in uh, in practice. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know, like uh, this is probably about four years ago that you you and I met. Um, 
I originally uh, got hooked up with RegenLab products at the the Orthobiological Institute conference, doing a trade show there as a booth, and right. ran into them. And you know, we had been uh, working with other supporters for our courses and stuff for PRP kits, and uh, it the the science and the explanation that they were explaining about everything just kind of fit with us and they put us in contact with you and it's uh it's been great ever since um i was wondering if you could just do kind of like an overview just for those listeners that are here you know what is prp kind of just an overview of how that works and uh where the difference in types of prp kits can arise right right uh so basically um prp is a type of orthobiologic um orthobiologics they basically fall into two categories they're either allogeneic or autologous allogeneic is like a true donor product and autologous basically means that the patient is both the donor and the recipient. So PRP is an autologous orthobiologic. Uh, and the great thing about Regen Labs PRP is it's 100% repeatable. One of the things that they've actually done is they have a really, really great gel separator technology that really revolutionizes the application process for the clinician as well as the patient experience. Um, as we've mentioned, as far as their platelet recovery um, percentage, they recover over 85% of the platelets within the patient's whole blood sample while minimizing almost all the red blood cells. So they get that down to, I believe, less than 0.3% red blood cells. The white blood cells, we're able to eliminate uh, almost 90% of those. Our mononuclear cells, we eliminate over 80% of. Lymphocytes, we eliminate over 75% of. Monocytes, we eliminate over 90% of. And then the granulocytes, this is a really uh, exciting part for clinicians, we eliminate almost 97% of the granulocytes that are in a patient's whole blood sample. So the risk of granulo uh, I'm sorry, granuloma and things like that, um, complications from PRP, you know, that's something that you really don't have to worry about with this kit. And once again, the fact that it's reproducible every single time um, is another big, big advantage. The way that PRP kind of got started um, when I was sort of studying it in school, there was a, a term that was known as the Buffy coat layer. And the Buffy coat layer, basically uh, post-centrifugation, when you get PRP, you basically draw the patient's blood, you spin it down in the centrifuge, and if you don't have, um, you know, one of these class two FDA approved devices with this fancy gel separator technology in it, you would be left with a, a Buffy coat layer in the center of your sample after centrifuging it. That Buffy coat layer is where all those white blood cells and red blood cells and everything kind of mixes because they have they share a very similar density. So in order to concentrate the PRP without that, that separation, the clinician would have to sort of stick a long needle down into an open vial of blood and aspirate out that PRP segment. And with every you know, little drop that is being uh, aspirated out of that tube, the level, the level actually drops down. So the clinician would have to sit there and slowly lower the needle as they were aspirating and hope to reproduce that same PRP fraction with each and every application, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, so along comes Regen Lab, and you know, like I said, PRP was always wonderful in theory. Uh, sometimes in practice, it wasn't so easy to implement. There's certain protocols that, you know, like with the Buffy Coat protocol, take quite a bit of time. Um, and if you can streamline that protocol, it's really something where you can take um, what PRP is able to do in theory and maximize that in practice. Wow, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to explain it, too. It makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. And you can really tell when you look at different forms of PRP after they've been centrifuged and uh, 
with the regen lab kit, there's a blatant se- separation of material. Oh yeah. In there. Oh yeah. And it, you're left with a very rich color <laughs> material. Uh, yeah. We, with the regen kit, we can concentrate the exact fraction of blood that we're looking for. That's, that's awesome. Can you just add a little bit for those listeners who maybe don't have a healthcare background? What exactly is it that you're taking from that sample to inject into the patient? Right, right. Um, so basically platelets um, from the platelet-rich plasma or platelet-rich plasma, um, the active ingredient, if we were to call it an active ingredient, would be the platelets. Um, and platelets, basically, they, they have two forms. Um, you know, a lot of people, they know of platelets for their, their clotting capabilities. And, you know, if you cut yourself, you know, your platelets go there and they form a clot. You have your scab, it heals. Uh, and that's pretty much, you know, the, um, the pathway that people are most uh, familiar with platelets for. Platelets, though, they, again, they have two forms. They have a form that they circulate in. And then they actually have an activated form, which is how they're able to uh, travel the circulatory system. And then if and when you cut yourself, they activate and they form a clot then. And they don't do that during normal circumstances. So um, what we are actually doing is taking these platelets and we are activating them. Uh, We are opening them up into their dendritic form. And when that happens, uh, those platelets, they degranulate and they release growth factors from their alpha granules. They release these growth factors into the treatment site. These growth factors basically act um, as messenger molecules. They recruit uh, host stem cells from the patient's bone marrow. So they cause host stem cell migration. They result in um, increased uh, blood vessel formation. So we have angiogenesis at the treatment site and also um, an increase in extracellular matrix synthesis. So we have collagen, um, elastin, and fibers like that that are really going to be uh, spurred to grow to kind of strengthen the integrity of that tissue um, at that level. So when we go ahead and introduce PRP into a treatment site, it can be done in two fashions. It can be done where the clinician actually activates uh, those platelets and causes them to burst open and release their growth factors just prior to uh, adding the PRP to the treatment site. Or what's mo- more common is uh, injecting or uh, introducing the PRP into the treatment site as naive PRP. Basically, we take those platelets and we reintroduce them to the treatment site uh, in the same state that they would circulate in. And then we allow the body's natural physiological mechanisms to go ahead and activate those platelets to release the growth factors there at the treatment site. The way that the research there kind of got started was that there everyone wanted you know to go ahead and activate these platelets to get those growth factors to the treatment site because that was how the work was done was getting those growth factors there uh you know 16 years of research later we can actually see that there's more growth factors released at the treatment site over time um, if we introduce the prp in a naive state and allow the body to actually activate those platelets uh, more slowly so that is one of the things that for certain prp indications a clinician may activate it um, and, and for other indications, they, they may uh, inject naive. I would imagine with the activated version, too, you have a, a limited time to be able to use that material as well. That's correct. That's correct. So when you actually when you activate PRP, you can activate it. Um, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> um, yeah, but you can activate it in um, one of two ways. You can activate it um, basically with an exogenous, um, substance like a calcium chloride or calcium gluconate, or you can activate with, uh, like an autologous thrombin serum. 
Region Lab actually has a wonderful device to concentrate autologous thrombin serum from the patient. That thrombin serum is then reintroduced, uh, or it's combined with the, the platelet-rich plasma fraction just prior to injecting. And you're right, you do have a limited time there. Uh, and the reason for that is because that clot formation that we were talking about earlier will form when you add either that autologous thrombin serum or that exogenous calcium to the PRP. So what's going to happen then is the calcium binds with the thrombin enzyme, kind of activates the thrombin enzyme. The thrombin enzyme, if you can sort of picture it as like Pac-Man, um, it goes around and it's going to metabolize um, fibrinogen polymers and they kind of, they're like little four packs. So it's like one central point and then four little toothpicks kind of sticking off of it. And so thrombin comes along like Pac-Man and metabolizes um, uh, those fibrinogen polymers and releases fibrin monomers. So those four toothpicks that Pac-Man just kind of chewed up and spit out, those then, are, those are your fibrin monomers, those are going to lay down in sort of a three-dimensional scaffold type shape at the treatment site, and that will entrap the platelets uh, there at that treatment site. But you do get a structural change with that one as well. Yeah, so for some indications, if the structural change is what the clinician is looking for and looking to induce at the treatment site, they may activate just for that, um, that side of the PRP and not even necessarily for the rapid release of those growth factors. And then again, some indications we see just delivered naive um, and they work just as well, uh, again, depending on what you're treating. That's awesome. That was a great description. Yeah, really Thank you. Thank you. Really, really good. But both, both for the patient. It's a little different to do without without visual aids. I think yeah. Yeah. Visual aids, but we'll, uh, we'll include some in the show notes. Wonderful. It's interesting going down that hole. I think that was a great explanation, and along with. Um, that explanation, I think it's important to recognize that there's a difference between different PRP kits in terms of the time that it takes to actually um, process the um, the PRP. Absolutely. And I know from experience of having different um, PRP treatments, you know, sometimes basically for the patients who are listening, you basically you might want to take them through the process of how they they um, basically draw their blood and and the time it takes to actually you know put it in the centrifuge is much different than yeah. many of the others and time from both the medical provider is time is money and for the patient you know you don't want to be taking any more time to get a treatment than you have to right exactly exactly and um i feel like the way that it kind of used to be you know some of the different uh, ortho guys that would offer some of these treatments it would be a Friday afternoon thing, you know, every other Friday or once a month or something like that. And it wasn't because they didn't like doing it. It was because the protocol was just cumbersome. Mm -hmm. It was cumbersome. It could be expensive too, uh, and cumbersome on them, their staff, their facilities. Uh, so the, the Regen Lab protocol, we can actually concentrate this PRP with a single five minute hard spin. So basically from the clinician's standpoint, they're going to go ahead and perform phlebotomy, draw the patient's blood. It's a, because we can concentrate the PRP so efficiently, it's non it's very non-invasive. It's a small portion of blood. Um, some of the, you know, older kits, they, they would, uh, it would be almost like bloodletting. Speak too, too ill of them. You know, it's, I used to love the razor phone, but I have an iPhone now. Um, you know, so it's, I, I, I love, you know, that we've made progress on this. So without kind of looking down on yeah, those devices, um, it's really wonderful that with the Regen Lab kit, a clinician can actually sit there. They can, um, and, and most importantly, if they have ultrasound in their practice and they can sit there and diagnose and look in real time and say, oh, well, 
look at this defect right here. Um, you know, this is something that we can treat with, you know, X, Y, or Z, whether it is, you know, an orthobiologic or not. Just the guided imaging is something that is so, so important. 100%. Oh, it, be, it, it, it absolutely is. And, and I, I know that you guys have all had all your um, procedures under guided ultrasound. I've had injections that were guided and not guided. And the guided ones um, are far and away much more effective. Um, they, the pain level is much different. You're absolutely certain that you're hitting the target tissue. So much of the difference in, in research and stuff like that that you'll see with some of the different orthobiologics has to do with the fact that the injections are not being performed under guided ultrasound. Right. And you can have the greatest surgeon in the world sitting there playing darts and they know where bullseye is. They know it, but it's no one's perfect. No one hits that spot every single time. And I've been a patient that has complete confidence in a doc that says, oh, I can do it without that. So, OK, great. But then yeah, I was introduced to Dr. Craig Chapel also. <laughs> and he is just amazing. Um, he, he is truly wonderful. Him and, and Dr. Broussard that you guys have um, teaching the courses for the clinicians out there. I cannot say enough about the education that they are able to pass on and what they're able to instill in you guys as far as how to go about uh your approach, diagnosing, when you're injecting, what to look for, um, bevel up, bevel down, bend the needle this way, all the little tips and tricks that I had never even heard of before I started working with, um, you know, Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. The, the, the way that the, that the product is delivered is just as important as the product. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. the product too, like I've had multiple kits done in my injuries and mm -hmm. I will say right off the bat, the because of the concentration level of regen lab the um, the volume of material being reintroduced to the injury is significantly less than some others and as such like your pain levels are significantly lower um right. this last time that i had my shoulder done i legitimately had zero even like post-procedure pain it was amazing so definitely can speak to that and that's super important for patients who may you know not really like the idea of being stuck with needles oh, or having exactly you know if you know going in this product's going to give me less pain and a faster recovery time and a more effective outcome you're, you're going to be a little bit more willing to undergo what you have to undergo knowing that it's going to be a shortened experience because of the quality of the product and even if you do have a little bit of pain you know you're that's what you're trying to address is an injury that's causing you pain or or limitations in mobility or your activity levels and so forth. So, I mean, you're considering a surgical procedure perhaps over a non-surgical procedure. So a little bit of pain and a stick with the needle is a lot more, um, I'm going to consider that first before I do a surgery. I mean, and like you said, Tommy, there are going to be um, times when a surgical intervention is just absolutely necessary due to the complexity of, of the injury. But um, there are many instances where um, PRP or other orthobiologic um, interventions can be very beneficial. And so I don't... in downtime. And downtime, right. That's a and, huge and, part of it too. So many right. people, it's... Even if you know you you know you have to address something seriously, it it, it can, there's times when it's not practical with your life, right. you know. And and 
you know, you, you can't hit the timeout button on life and, and you have to just keep moving forward. Um, and so treating things, you know, if you can treat it in a way that's as as least invasive as possible, it's almost always going to be uh, your best course of action, especially at the start especially at the start to go ahead and try with with the uh, the minimally invasive stuff first you're always going to be able to step up later to whatever you need to go ahead and do but it's absolutely it should be the entry entryway into healing an injury in in my perspective for sure so uh I mean, I know personally the injuries that you've had, yeah, had treated, yeah. but can you speak a little to like your experience? Using yeah. Therapy? Yeah. So, um, so I've actually, uh, with the surgeries that I, I had, um, a compound tib fib fracture. Yes. That was, um, when I was 17, it was compound tib fib with compartment syndrome and fasciotomies and torn ligaments and pop nerves and tendons and all kinds of stuff. And when they actually, uh, the initial surgeons, they, they did a wonderful job, uh, you know, getting everything back together. But when they did the um, fasciotomies, they had severed the extensor retinaculum and it was kind of left that way for seven years, I think it was. Um, so that was, was 16 surgeries. It's been nine on the left foot and ankle, four on the right hand, two on the right shoulder, one on the left shoulder. Um, but the foot and ankle, I think that was the eighth foot or ankle one with, with the, uh, the retinaculum. And I had that reconstructed and it was wonderful. Uh, but I actually had some of those extensor tendons that had kind of adhered to that retinaculum, which a retinaculum is sort of, um, without being able to kind of show a visual, it's sort of like a, it works as a pulley system. Like you have retinaculums in your wrists and in your feet. And that's why when you, you know, contract the muscles in your forearms and in your, uh, in the front of your calves, you basically your toes and your fingers tips will come up and not your ankles and your wrists. Um, so there, there's sort of a fulcrum there and that had gotten stuck to the underlying, um, uh, tendons. So that was one of the things that, you know, I'd had ultrasound or I'm sorry, not ultrasound. I'd had, um, MRIs, CAT scans, x-rays, everything. And, you know, post-surgery, it, it looked good. And whatever pain was there was just kind of there to stay. And that was just what I was left with. And it was an improvement. So I, I was, you know, I was happy, even though it was, you know, if I took 10,000 steps that day, that was 5,000 zingers, you know, it was, it could be rough. Um, and then I, I had it examined under, uh, ultrasound and not only did Dr. Ch uh, Chapel see some of the different um, fascial adhesions, he also saw that there was a nerve that uh, he wanted to hydrodissect. And so he was able to go ahead and do that. And the mobility that it gave me back, um, it was like I was able to use the surgical repair correctly finally. And so that was just it was wonderful, wonderful from that side of it. And then um, when he treated the nerve as well, he was able to detach it from some fascia that I guess was sort of strangling it pretty tightly. And um, opened up a whole new side of motion for me on, on that side of the ankle. And just uh, it's it's been wonderful. But I've like I said, I've had the I've had the um, injection experience guided and not guided. And an ultrasound just gives you so much more of a it's you can peel the skin back. Yeah. You can yeah. truly peel the skin back. Yeah. 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 I was there when you had that procedure yep. performed. Mm -hmm. And boy, was that. That was just an enlightening experience to yeah. see you have instant relief. I didn't like know anything your, like that was possible. Your, your I didn't response know like was, that was just possible. <laughs> amazing. And yeah. I was like, wow, now that is, you know, definitely convincing of the value of, of not only um, the 
procedure, but the use of ultrasound guidance so that you could see exactly what was going on and where to place the PRP, which is huge. And, and, you know, I think that that's really, if you want, if you want to perform these procedures and, um, have your patient's best interests at heart, that learning how to do ultrasound, yes, it takes time, um, practice, a little bit of money, you know, patience, but, you know, over time, uh, the value is going to come back to you in a lot of different ways and your patients are going to love you for it yeah. and they're just going to continue to uh, recommend you. So if you if you want to consider offering this type of services, you really need to also consider the, utilizing ultrasound guidance because it's like night and day on um, level of accuracy and, and, and outcomes for the yeah. patient. I'm just going to circle back for one second. I think it's important to highlight your your experience. PRP augmented a surgical procedure you had. Correct. So you went on, had surgery, were told this is as good as it gets, and you were just supposed to live with that. And so for all those listeners out there who maybe are in that position thinking this is it, this is as good as it gets. No, it's not. You can still have other things to augment your surgical procedure, things that your orthos don't even know are possible. They didn't even know you had that issue going on and all those adhesions. Yeah, yeah that was, um, and, and they were wonderful too. It's, you know, it's, they, they they, they did, you know, I mean, you have to use the tools that, that, you know, are the tools of your time and what you, what you're are allowed to work with, what you know how to work with. Um, but the technology in this space, in the regenerative medicine space has truly come so far in the last 10 or 15 years that, uh, it's absolutely the future. I mean, I, I look at it, you know, I mean, if, you know, from a patient's perspective, you know, if you ask a little kid, you know, what is a doctor, you know, and they're oh well, that's who you go to to get healed. You know, they heal you, they, they make you better. Um, this is as much of, you know, being a true healer as I think a clinician can actually be is regenerative medicine. Right. And yeah. we're by no means boohooing the fact that 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 there are. There is a need for surgical procedures, oh, oh yes. you know, yes. by all means. And, and they've gotten so much better, too. Yes, last absolutely. Yeah. Well, so regenerative yeah. medicine would have never solved what you had going on. You no, had to no. have surgical yeah. procedures. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. There were bumps yeah. sticking yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but these are options that patients and medical providers have to augment or either augment a surgical procedure to improve the healing process um, for that patient and or to utilize prior to going maybe as a last, um, you know, option surgery. So, you know, it's just kind of being informative and educational as to what options are out there and the benefits of, of utilizing this particular product. Absolutely. And also, I just want to like touch on the fact that like the use of PRP is extremely patient dependent and practitioner dependent as well on the on the outcome. If you go to a place and they tell you right off the bat that you need six treatments at X amount of money, they you need to get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. There is exactly. I you know there's often oftentimes the injuries I had. They thought there was going to need multiple treatments. I responded after one treatment. Uh, I think all of you know Lori. I don't know how many treatments you've had, but you've had a number and. Um, but have done really well mm -hmm. with it. Mine but are very spaced out. So, you know, the success of the, um, the treatment was, was very good and lasted a long period of time. I didn't have to have multiple, um, treatments within short periods of time to get the results that I needed. Right. So as a patient, please, you know, take the time to do some research. If you're going to go the route of orthobiologics, multiple, uh, multiple, um, 
uh, viewpoints might not be a bad option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Well, we just had my friend in here during our last August MSK course, and she did a demo. You know, she was a patient for the live demos, and she had been told, you're going to need six treatments. It's going to cost you $2,000 a treatment, and you're... Um, you know, we're not going to use ultrasound. And she was just as, you know, someone living in today, we all know it. It's hard to come up with money to just throw away $12,000, hoping to get some relief for a shoulder injury that she'd been fighting and had already had surgical repair on. And she walked in here, was evaluated by our physician, Dr. John Broussard. And he's like, you have extensive issues, but I can't say six treatments is the magic number. Let's start with one and see what happens. And he was able to target not just one area, but multiple areas that even her imaging hadn't shown there was even an issue. He looked, you know, at different parts of her shoulder and up into her neck area and found things, the MRIs and the CAT scans and all of the testing she had had done, EMGs, all the stuff she'd been through, had never even identified. She was also told that she needed a surgical repair again. Yeah, she was going to have to have another surgical repair, which brought her to tears. Yeah considering she hadn't had any relief. And in fact, it got worse after her first surgical intervention. And so seeing that and just hearing her experience, you have to be informed. You have to know the kind of questions to ask and the responses that should steer you away. So it's very important, like you said, do your research, learn about what it is you're actually signing yourself up for. So that way you can figure out, is this healthcare provider going to give me the outcome that I'm looking for? Have you spoken to her recently? Like, uh, So we've been messaging and you know, she's still, John told her, you know, it's, it's not, I can't say that one treatment's going to help you. I can almost say probably not, but let's just see what happens. She definitely has a lot of relief. Um, still some tenderness. Cause what was that? Three, four weeks ago. It was about three weeks ago, I guess. Four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. About four weeks ago. She yeah, was up there four. for like 45 Yeah. Minutes. She was a long treatment, she multiple a, a sites treated. Yeah. So yeah, initially she had a lot of pain. Um, took about a week and a half for her to say, okay, it's now it's starting to feel better. And every day she said, it's a little bit better every day. But the one thing that she said is I already have more stability in my shoulder. So before she had a really loose shoulder joint and she felt like her shoulder wanted to just dislocate at any second. So she was afraid to do anything with it. And now she doesn't have that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, I will say three weeks, you start noticing a difference. Six weeks is when you really start noticing it. Six weeks, the magic. That's number. very, very true. <laughs> Write that down, you guys. Yes. Six weeks. It's hard to be not instant. Yeah, she's along that path. Because if, if I recall that treatment correctly, um, Dr. Broussard treated a lot of different tissue types, which I, I, it's it, good to bring up, uh, noteworthy to mention. Um, so Region Lab, the wonderful thing about what they do with their kits is they have, again, 16, 17 years worth of research, and it's all compiled and documented. And it's done by tissue type, which is wonderful. Because, again, they sell their products all over the the world and with some of the different regulatory agencies and things like that um, it's really really best to offer that information to the clinicians by tissue type if you're working with you know like I said in the shoulder there's a ton of different tissue types and region lab it's it's FDA approved class 2 uh, device and it's used to concentrate PRP at the patient's point of care um, and it's on label for uh, the that rapid preparation of PRP and the utilization uh, of it to be added to bone graft materials and um, uh, and in the dental space as well. But again, the research continues to come out. And um, I think there's 
up to 35 different uh, classes, applications that research is currently being conducted in and just continues to show um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. So it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So with like a typical treatment process, what, what is Regen Lab recommend as far as pre-treatment uh, preparation for a patient and then into the post-treatment applications? Right, right. So as far as, uh, as, far as that uh, information, we kind of um, leave that to the clinician's preference. It sort of depends on the patient, what sort of medications they may currently be on, what other issues um, you know, they kind of may have to take into place. So we do uh, give the clinicians the freedom to kind of work with that, but some general precautions, things like that. Um, no NSAIDs um, two weeks before, two weeks after. Uh, some of the different things that can just uh, potentially affect those, the platelet activation. Um, those are going to be some of the different medications that your clinician may tell you to go ahead and steer away from just before and just after the treatment to sort of maximize the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. The wonderful thing with PRP, again, is it it's a it's a blood product. So it comes from the patient. The patient is both the donor and the recipient. So it's not like there's um, you know a rejection risk or anything like that. Um, it's just that, you know, those precautions are pretty much used so that we can get the most out of each treatment. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And I just want to reiterate as well that, you know, definitely those were the uh, recommendations that we all were given when we had our treatments done as well. And, and, um, you know, we, we're, this is such an exciting, uh, treatment option to discuss, but a lot of times in our excitement, some people do uh, get the impression that once you have a PRP treatment that you're going to walk out and you're just going to be like ready to, you know, go, you know, take on the world and no pain and everything. But I'm mean, like anything, it takes time. It has to work, right? We're introducing the, the, the PRP. It has to have time to heal the tissue and the um, areas that were, were identified that need to be treated. And, and like Casey said, it takes about six weeks. You'll notice improvement, but you're going to initially have some pain, not maybe um, depends on what area is being treated and how much PRP is used and, and so forth. But um, typically it's not a very long period of pain and, and with your product, it's definitely much less lower time period than some of the other ones that we've had. Um, but, I've had friends who have had the treatments done as well. And they're like, I'm not better. I'm not better. I'm like, and when did you have that done? Give well, it two a, weeks ago. Well, guess time. what? Yep. Six weeks. It's like a little yeah. light bulb clicks on in your body and you'll be walking along if you had a knee or knee owner. Like all of a sudden you're like, I yeah. don't have any pain anymore. Yeah. You know? and, that, and, <laughs> so. and, that, and that's how it works too. It's, <laughs> yeah. You get that roller coaster syndrome for, you know, from like, Day two to day seven, you, you get the, you know, some shooting pains that may come and go a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's just like you said, the, the damage wasn't done overnight, so the repair isn't done overnight. Um, it does take a little bit of time. That being said, you know, you'll be sitting there and doing something, you know, a month or six weeks later that used to give you problems. And it's not even something that is actively on your brain, but you'll just sit there after completing a task and be like, huh. I couldn't do that six weeks ago. Yeah. And that's that's really, you know, how that you know the roller coaster will wear off and that's uh, it's still a little sore and and then you just kind of forget about it. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, I guess I worked. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do. I also want to like mention as another like warning for patients that are like looking into different treatment options and everything. I've personally gone to events where. Uh, a group would put together a luncheon and basically make claims that they have a product that will get them back to doing stairs in two weeks. And it's typically geared to, to the more elderly audience. And these are not PRP products. They are not prolotherapy products. Yes. It, it, and 
oftentimes Some of the genetic stuff. Yeah, they, sometimes they don't undergo the scrutiny that that a PRP product would would go undergo. Not to mention the price point is typically in the multiple thousands of dollars per treatment, and they say they need X number of treatments. It is almost disgusting hearing what some of these groups are telling it's people. It's predatory. It is. It, it, it's, it is. it's predatory. I've, I've seen it. And, um, it, you know, the, the nature of being a distributor, uh, you know, I reach out to different manufacturers and I try and make sure that, um, you know, they have great products that, you know, are revolutionary, that, that change the way that these treatments can be delivered. Um, and in doing so, you know, you, you get to see their business models. And right. some of them are absolutely, like you said, um, disgusting. And, and then there's wonderful, wonderful companies like Regen Lab. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, that, you know, they, they respect the on-label indications. They respect, you know, um, not going too far into off-label stuff. They do have the research available for clinicians. They want to go ahead and provide those tools. And, and, they, and they do it all while, while maintaining 100% regulatory compliance and adherence, which for, for the clinicians, for the patients, uh, it, it must be done that way. And, you know, there's there's been some different scrutiny on the regenerative medicine industry for good reason. Um, you know, the last three or four years, it, it's been a little bit of the wild, wild west um, for better, for worse. You know, I mean, uh, it needed to be cleaned up, you know, for sure. Um, it, it's wonderful that people know about these things now and they know how to ask, you know, for different treatments. Um, and, and clinicians are a little bit more comfortable talking about them with pay about these treatments with patients when the patients have heard of them. And it's not like something where it's like, hey. This may really help you. Your, you know, your insurance may not cover it, or, or or what have you. And it's that's an awkward conversation for someone you know out of medical to, out of medical school to have with a patient, and they're just you know used to treating the indication, treating the injury, and the billing, and all that is taken care of in a different part of the office. And it's but now that patients know a little bit more about the fact that there are other options out there for them. Um, I have clinicians, you know, reaching out to me because they say, Hey, you know, I had five patients ask me about PRP this week. You know, I, I can't not know about this. I can't not have this anymore. Right. So it's, it's, it's great. Um, you know, that it's, that it's progressed along. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And all that data and research is the basis of evidence-based medicine, which. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, the difference between the on-label and off-label indications is basically, um, what those studies, what information is brought to the table to those regulatory bodies to, to review. And oftentimes that's going to be the, um, the most numerous applications, the most popular ones. Uh, but it's, that's a good reason why it's, it's wonderful to have that research out there. And so those clinicians, um, have those tools to go ahead and treat their patients, uh, you know, as, as they see, as they see fit and maintain a hundred percent regulatory compliance. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, for sure, for those patients looking into these applications, ask your physician what brand materials they're using, <laughs> yep, their yep. products, do your research yes. first. Like, well, let's let's talk about that. So Regen yeah. Labs. So tell us, you know, we're, we hear about um, platelet rich plasma versus platelet poor plasma or leukocyte rich versus leukocyte poor. So what is, effect does that have on a patient's outcome? Yeah. So um, leukocyte poor, more and more of the research now, um, that's kind of becoming, you know, the gold standard. Um, leukocyte rich can go ahead and introduce a little bit more inflammation than may be necessary for the full healing um, that most of the tissue types would kind of need to be exposed to. So again, there are certain applications where leukocyte neutral or leukocyte rich um, can be used. 
um, and, and is used quite often. But the great thing with Region Lab, uh, they give clinicians the ability to concentrate, and again, in a very uh, time efficient and cost efficient manner, to go ahead and concentrate platelet poor plasma, platelet rich plasma, um, autologous thrombin serum. We can go ahead and do all those different things so that if it's uh, an indication where the doctor feels that the tissue may respond to a fluid that is a little bit more inert, um, you know, a, a, you know, something that even a saline would, would, would do or a platelet pour. Um, like our, I think my, my nerve uh, hydrodissection uh, was the platelet pour. And that was um, something that because the platelet rich would go ahead and um, it wasn't quite as inert and it would spur a little bit more of a reaction at the tissue level. It wasn't uh, the doctor's first choice for that indication. Um, then there's certain indications where you really, really do want to introduce those growth factors to the treatment site. That's when uh, you can go ahead and introduce your platelet-rich plasma. And we can also, um, we give our clinicians the freedom to uh, scale their concentration to a tissue-specific number. So if they want um, 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, uh, and we have a ton of research that actually shows the wonderful um, effects of the baseline concentration, which is just under 2x with this system. The clinician still has the ability to go ahead and scale up or scale down for concentration's sake or even for volume's sake. Like mm -hmm. if it's uh, like a thumb or something right. like that, um, you can't go putting five CCs in no. there. <laughs> I can speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How is your thumb? My thumb is doing great. I just had that done in August yeah. and it's doing much better. You know, it's still got a little bit ways to go. It's only been four weeks. So a couple more weeks, I'll be ready, doing Exciting. everything I want to do. So in all that discussion, the one thing I kept thinking was, well, in order for them to know, do I want to use leukocyte rich or leukocyte poor, obviously the diagnostic imaging beforehand exactly. is critical. So Absolutely. they have to be able to look at those images, you know, as they're performing their diagnostic ultrasound and decide what type of treatment would be best right here in this space. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I know another term that's commonly heard and, you know, PRP and orthobiologics are showing up in numerous podcasts and, you know, people are gaining interest in everything. So there's a lot of medical terminology that's getting thrown around. And uh, one of the things you're constantly hearing about is like the cytokines. Can you give like a little overview about what those are and yes. how they play a role? Absolutely. So as far as the, uh, some of the cytokines that are in PRP, um, this is basically going to be the different growth factors that are stored in those platelets, alpha granules. So they're going to go around, um, you know, in their circulatory state. And then when they're activated into their dendritic state, they degranulate and they release these growth factors. So some of the key growth factors in PRP, along with their effects, um, we have EGF, which uh, basically causes cellular proliferation, differentiation of epithelial cells, IGF one and two, cell recruitment and collagen synthesis, cell proliferation and differentiation of osteoblasts, uh, PDGF, play the derived growth factor, Macrophage activation, angiogenesis, fibroblast chemotaxis, collagen synthesis and bone formation, uh, PDEGF, proliferation of keratinocytes, dermal fibroblasts leading to wound healing, PDAF, stimulates vascular endothelial cells, PF4, influx of neutrophils into wounds, 
TGF beta stimulates fibroblasts, fibronectin, collagen, bone matrix formation, and inhibits osteoclast function. VEGF and ECGF both stimulate angiogenesis and new blood vessel formation into the target tissue. FGF meditates proliferation of myoblasts and angiogenesis. And then SDF1A is the primary adhesion and migration of mesenchymal stem cells and stromal cells. So the EGF was the epidermal growth factor. IGF was the insulin-like growth factors. PDGF is the platelet-derived growth factors. Uh, PDEGF is our platelet-derived epidermal growth factor. PDAF was our platelet-derived angiogenesis factor. PF4 is just platelet factor 4. TGFB is our transforming growth factor beta. VEGF is vascular endothelial growth factor. ECFG is endothelial... See something growth factor? And then fibroblast growth factor and stromal cell derived growth factor. Um, so that's kind of the, the rundown on some of those growth factors and cytokines. Um, uh, but th those are going to be, yeah, those are our real active ingredients um, that's behind the PRP. Yeah. So maybe just ask your doctor if he can exactly, describe exactly. how <laughs> these things help. And then you'll exactly. know. <laughs> right? yep. Yes, your doctor should know these things. <laughs> and, and like we were talking about yesterday in our podcast with Dr. Mazzola on uh, knee osteoarthritis, you know, you, you've got your hyaline cartilage and when it's gone, it's gone, you know? Mm. And so if there are, are um, procedures such as PRP and other um, regenerative medicine techniques that can help to at least prolong that time period or maybe even eliminate the need, which many of the studies exactly. have shown that um, PRP treatment for knee osteoarthritis, and um, I believe it was 96% of the patients in that particular study over a five-year time period, did not have to have the knee replacement that they were initially recommended. Yep. So, you know, and I'm one of those patients, so right. I'm definitely on board with trying whatever I can do to prolong. Um, a procedure, surgical procedure that's not minor. Prolong um, it and eliminate <laughs> it if you can. As oh, long yeah. as I can, you know. Yeah. So um, it's just something that where you just have to be very proactive with your health. You have to be informed, an informed patient, and you need to ask the appropriate questions. And if you're not comfortable with those answers, then maybe you need to get a second opinion. And there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion, especially when it comes to um, having surgery. Oh, yeah. If you're a patient yes. and you go in and you know what you're talking about and you've done your due diligence research, there's significantly less chance of you being told in inaccurate materials and right. diagnostics and being able to prescribe different procedures that might not be the best option for you at that point. And trust me, if your healthcare provider is somebody who really understands these orthobiologics, they're going to welcome the conversation. They're not going to, you know, you're not going to put them out by asking these questions. They're going to want to have this open discussion and dialogue with you and should be able to address your questions. And if there is an area where they're kind of like, mm, I'm not sure, they're going to go do the research and get back to you because mm -hmm. they have the the resources to turn to, like if they're, you know, somebody who's using a Regen Lab product through your company, they're going to go to you and say, hey, this patient asked me this really good question. I really don't know where to go with this. And we'll be able to turn around and get that information for their patient. Yeah. So Absolutely. if your doctor's kind of steering you away from this conversation, that's a red flag. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the experts know about this stuff and they're very comfortable with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. 
Well, this has been a very exciting um, discussion today. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share before we uh, uh Close yeah. Um, just uh, to, to all, uh, all all the patients out there, um, live well, take great care of yourselves. Um, you know, seek out the best of the best uh, physicians that you can. Listen to their advice. Um, for all the doctors out there, if you have any questions about any any of these products, treatments, protocols, anything like that, our website is cytoviveusa.com. That's C Y T O V I V E USA.com. Uh, and again, my name is Tommy Straub. Uh, I'm the president and founder of the company. Any questions um, you know, that any you have, I'm, I'm more than happy to answer and, and spend time going through things with you. Awesome. awesome. And yeah. we'll include your contact information in the, in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out, get a demo, anything like that. Absolutely. They could absolutely reach out to you with that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And um, obviously we appreciate you being here today and we enjoy working with you. Um, Tommy is awesome. And for the healthcare providers that are out there uh, listening and who may be interested in learning uh, more about um, the PRP product that he represents, Regen Lab products and, or uh, learning how to perform diagnostic and interventional MSK ultrasound, please feel free to, to contact us. Um, our website is gcus.com. We have regular uh, programs offered on uh, multiple times throughout the years, uh, both intro and advanced and regenerative medicine techniques. And uh, we are here for you. We can answer any questions and we can also um, get you in touch with Tommy uh, in regards to any questions you may have about your, your PRP needs. So, awesome. Thank you so much thank for you being so here, much. Tommy. Pleasure. We appreciate always. you being here. Great, yeah, great conversation. So, thank you all thank for you. joining us. Yeah. And we want to thank all of our listeners for joining in, tuning in today. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Sonography Lounge so you don't miss an episode. And happy scanning. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Sonography Lounge and Twitter at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan. Scan.